You are listening to the IDH Sustainable Trade Podcast. In this series, we dive into the innovative work we do with our partners to create sustainable value chains and inclusive business models. My name is Imre Duarez, and today I'm in Jakarta, where the traffic is a little bit more noisy than I'm used to, so apologies for that. But bear with me, we have a great podcast coming up. I'm joined by Malati, IDH Cocoa and Coffee Program Manager in Indonesia, and Tisa Olina, co-founder of Pippleton Cocoa, company producing chocolate from bean to bar. Pippleton has just launched a new chocolate bar sourced from Ransiki district. And what's so special about this is that Ransiki used to have a blooming cocoa sector in the 1980s. But then production collapsed, which had disastrous consequences for the farmers in the area. So now Pippleton started sourcing from Ransiki, working together with the government and the local cooperative, And through this collaboration, the local indigenous community is involved, surrounding forests are protected, and new investments are attracted to the area. Thank you both for joining me today. Let's start at the start. What was the beginning of the partnership between IDH and Pippleton? So, um, as part of the IDH Indonesia program, we have a focus to uh, look into the potential commodities that can be revived from Papua and West Papua. So, we brought an expertise chocolatier to come to Papua and West Papua to check the flavor potential of the cocoa grown in Papua and West Papua. And um, from the cocoa beans that this chocolatier visited and tested, we brought some samples and introduced them to uh, potential chocolate makers. One of them is Pipiltin, so they received uh, the cocoa beans that was tested by this chocolate expert, um, Alexander Bellion. He's a French chocolatier, one of the top 25 chocolatiers in the world. We have had a discussion with him also about the flavor potential of cocoa uh, in West Papua and Papua. Uh, so we first introduced the cocoa beans from Ransiki, from IDH of course. So uh, they just casually brought the bean to us. Uh, so it's a bean from Ransiki. And then we tried to roast it here uh, in our factory and try to process it into a, into a bar to know the flavor profile from the chocolates. And then we found the chocolate is very delicious. And then it results in this beautiful flavor of creamy, uh, nutty, like umami flavor without us adding anything to the chocolate. So the taste profile itself is quite, it's very uh, special. And then we talked to IDH. Um, we, we want to know more about this kind of uh, cocoa beans. And then they start telling story about the conservation and the 70% to preserve it as a forest and everything. And we just fall in love with the background, the story, and the beans itself, the flavor itself. The reasons for Pippleton to focus on single origin and incorporate sustainable production into their core business model. Like, What are the reasons to do that for you? Mm-hmm. When we started Pipilton Cocoa, Indonesia is the third largest cocoa bean producer in the world. Now we are the sixth. We saw that and then we we cannot find any premium single origin chocolate here in Indonesia. They've been produced in the States or in Europe. Uh, and even in Netherlands, on, in Zurich, I found this beautiful uh, chocolate boutique they sell Bali chocolate, but produced by a broken company. So it, it was a starting point. 
and then um, I started to look whether uh, there's a market here in Indonesia. And then we come to this idea of direct sourcing to the farmer, to of course for business of sustainability. And uh, other than that, of course, the sustainability of the cocoa plantation itself, so they don't substitute. So they need a higher motivation if we buy directly from from these farmers. And why do you feel it's important? now to change the way we are sourcing cocoa, like what you mentioned with the direct sourcing model? Mm-hmm. There would be um, quite many reasons. The one would be uh, it's very important for the farmers to know their part in the food chain because they're in the bottom of the food chain. They usually sell the chocolate to traders and they lose sight of them. They don't know what they do with the chocolate. So uh, with the direct sourcing, they know they're producing a very good quality bean. The result would be a beautiful chocolate So that's one of the reasons. Uh, the second, of course, the uh, fair price, the fair trade and everything for them to have like a sustainable life and like uh, working in acceptable condition. And the third reason would be we want to uh, limit the shifting of the, the plantation into another plantation that doesn't suit the, the area. Do you have anything to add from that, from the IDH perspective? On... I think uh, from... Our experience uh, connecting the Ransiki cocoa farmers uh, directly with a chocolate company like Pepiltin is that the cocoa farmers are uh, more motivated as well. They understand where their cocoa is going and they can receive feedback directly from their end buyers. Well, perhaps not the consumers, but the chocolate company um, directly. IDH has helped to facilitate this discussion between the cooperative. When they came here to Jakarta, they met with Mbatisa and also Mas Irfan, uh, the co-owner of built in Coco, and they could hear directly what were the concerns from um, built in Coco about the quality, about the supply, a continuity of the Coco um, supply from Ransiki. Mm-hmm. And the cooperative understood that, okay, these are the things that we have to do um, on the field. And they didn't hear it from uh, intermediaries or traders. And I think also what's good is um, we're not just talking about the companies and the farmers, but the local governments here are also involved. So at the district level, the Manokwari Selatan district government, as well as the provincial government of uh, West Papua, they have also been involved in these discussions. Um, so together with Pipiltin Koko, um, the provincial government and the district government and the cooperative, we've had discussions together, quite a few discussions, where bottlenecks and challenges challenges within the supply chain was discussed what is needed by the market, uh, the buyers, um, what can the government support through regulations, policies, infrastructure, and what can the farmers also do on the field to help this uh, chocolate sourcing complete in one chain. So I think those, um, the direct sourcing model is really important because we can uh, definitely facilitate the communication between all the partners needed maybe other than yeah. direct sourcing that's the point is the traceability it's, yeah. it's not we're not saying like we do direct sourcing and we we against those companies doing transactions with traders mm-hmm. we just want them to be more ethic since we pay the, the cooperative fair, fair price we so they have a model they have a business model and, and then they have like more empower to 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 know the, their their quality and they can raise the prices yeah and so also in this traceability model is also of course about the area where the cocoa comes from which mm-hmm. is the Ransiki yeah. district. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about why this is such a special area? 
what's what makes it unique why does it needs to be protected okay so ransiki uh, itself was planted with cocoa trees in the 1980s it was uh, initially developed by a british commonwealth development program as a professional cocoa farm and however uh, in the years following after that the plantation ran down and the business also uh, stopped so the cocoa trees were still there but they were unmanaged and uh, the farmers uh, were really looking for a livelihood 10 years after uh, the new uh, head of district of Manokwari Selatan who was a local uh, champion of uh, Manokwari Selatan um, he decided to relive uh, the cooperative and rehabilitate 200 hectares of the uh, old cocoa plantations uh, to produce cocoa again and provide livelihoods to the farmers however um, outside of Ransiki itself Ransiki is actually in the buffer zone areas of the Arfak uh, natural reserve and the natural reserve is home to the newly uh, discovered uh, Vogelkope superb uh, bird of paradise species which was discovered by the um, Cornell uh, lab of ornithology last year so there is a very close link between the natural habitats of the bird of paradise and um, the importance of preserving uh, the cocoa plantations to provide livelihood to the farmers so that they do not encroach the habitat of the um, birds. So, Tisa, uh, Indonesia is an important producer of cocoa. Are Indonesians also eating this chocolate? Is there a market for Ransiki chocolate and how are you reaching this market? It's quite a challenge because Indonesia is very low in chocolate consumption compared to the US and uh, Europe, of course. So it's a challenge for us to introduce this kind of very special chocolate with a very special characteristic with a not so cheap price. It's still affordable but it's not cheap compared to the other chocolates in the in the market because especially in, in Indonesia there's two kind of uh, market for chocolate. The the first one called coverture chocolate is to the real chocolate made of uh, cocoa bean and sugar uh, if on or any uh, other things added uh, for example milk. And the second would be compound. Compound uh, in compound, the producer substitute the cocoa butter with vegetable oil to make the price lower. And uh, 80% chocolate in the market here is compound. So we need to capture the right market out of the 20%. But I think now Indonesia is more and more aware of this kind of issue because I uh, originally thought that it's only us like people like us who care about this environment like conservation but it turned out we did like a little research this kind of issue like sustainability and uh, livelihood of the farmers is very re- related to the millennials because they have this kind of pride if they're talking about I eat this chocolate because it tastes good but also for the sake of the environment so we need to create a, a very good story because it itself already have a very good story so we need to elevate the story how and how to find the right market for for the chocolates yeah. 
And I think that's also yeah. linking to what Matissa was saying um, about storytelling. Uh, Pipilton is a really good partner of IDH because of the storytelling. Um, Pipilton, for all uh, their other uh, single origin chocolate bars, not just from Ransiki, they have a really strong element to storytelling. And um, this kind of storytelling brings out the identity of uh, the location uh, of this origin. So Ransiki is a really small town, I think a very, very small population. And even the farmers, the cooperatives of uh, Ransiki were surprised that they could eventually see the name of their district printed out in a really huge shopping mall in Jakarta, mm. so many thousand miles away from um, their farm. They had a sense of pride uh, that was built into, into their minds that uh, if we are serious about our cocoa plantations, we can definitely bring our chocolate products uh, out to the um, national stage or international stage. Um, so it's really good that this storytelling can actually support the farmers to be proud of what they're doing and be serious about managing their farms, uh, producing better cocoa quality and productivity and not um, opening up new land for other other crops. Really for the farmers as well to be proud of the product yeah. that they produce. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Telling this story, especially in the way that Pippleton is doing, is also potentially attracting new investments to True. the area. True. Can yes. you expand a little bit on yeah. how that works? Mm-hmm. Chocolate is a very good language to tell the story about Ransiki. It's quite difficult if, uh, if other commodities like what, palm oil or like other other things it's not like it's easy can can taste it right it's but it's easier it's easier like talking the language of chocolate so we try to do that so first chocolate uh, so we really want to help how to develop Ransiki through the branding of, of the region itself so um, yeah, what we can do as people then is a chocolate manufacturer we can do by the language of uh, chocolate so yeah, but in long term, we really want to help this how to like build the, the branding of this Ransiki region so they can sell not only chocolate but other commodities or other like things that really indigenous to the, to the place. Yeah. yeah, so that other buyers potentially also come yes. into the area yeah. and will be making investments so yes. that the whole area will actually benefit from that. Right, true. Yeah, and then another thing I understood is that um, Pippleton is also transferring knowledge to the farmers, for example, not to encroach into the surrounding forest, but really uh, learn how to do good agricultural practices yes. in order to like higher the productivity, the yeah. quality. Yeah. Um, how, how is this done? How do you mm. work with farmers on that? Yeah, it's funny. When, if we talk to farmers, like how to increase their productivity, their first answer would be to expand land. Because it's like it's more easier for them to like uh, oh just expand the land just to make another. But we we uh, we also exchange information uh, about like doing uh, efficient product production to the chocolate. So you just need to uh, improve the the productivity inside of the area, uh, other than like expanding the land because it's. There will be a land gap in 2050, and you know that, that kind of issue. We 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 also talk to them about it, but we also make sure that they can produce these specific requirements for us. For example, for like this uh, to divine as a fine cocoa is a, or a very good premium cocoa, uh, there will be like this kind of bean count as uh, requirements and this kind of method for drying and this kind of method for fermentation, because without fermentation the flavors won't come out. 
So, for example, in Pipiltin, we have uh, we work with five different regions now. It's uh, Bali, Aceh, Flores, East Java, and Ransiki. They all have different flavors uh, to the chocolates. Depends on the microclimate. So we also explain it to them to make it more relevant for them. And it's quite a success in Tabanan Bali. So there's a, this this one farmer. Uh, we opened Pipiltin uh, the second year of our opening. Uh, we we bought the chocolate to them and we want them to taste the chocolate and then um, it's the first time they eat their own chocolate they it's the first time they eat chocolate in their lives actually not only the chocolate so it's quite surprising because they have been a farmer for 30 to 40 years and then um, we try to explain these are difference between the unfermented one and the fermented one if you sell this one you might get the volume but you won't get the value added but selling this one you can you have you can have this kind of margin and so the fifth year of opening, these this specific farmers now only produce the fermented beans. They didn't produce the, the unfermented one because he knows the value, but of course maybe because of the volume. He doesn't have enough volume to produce this kind of, so he changed into like this kind of method to have like more added value, more margin to the, to the beans. Yeah. Maybe just adding to what Batisa was saying about um, speaking the language of chocolate, it is easier to uh, open discussions with partners, with the government officials, with the governor of West Papua himself, um, with the head of district Manokwari Selatan himself, uh, when they come here to the uh, Pipiltin uh, cocoa factory and they see that the cocoa from their uh, area is produced into chocolate and they taste it. They become more relaxed, they... Uh, yeah are happy sure. and I, I really appreciate that Pipilton actually provided the chocolate as a dipping for uh, local uh, delicacies of Papuan food so with um, bananas with banana cassava and it made them very happy to actually yeah. want to open up and listen oh this is what the market potential is for the West Papuan cocoa and what is needed from the government policy regulations side uh, and so these discussions could be uh, better facilitated through chocolates yeah, I would yeah. say <laughs> and um, it's really good to have also uh, built in to be involved in discussions with the government um, when they had plans to further develop their cocoa sector Pipiltin was happy to uh, provide their inputs and experience on how is it to um, source uh, cocoa, um, process chocolate and so on uh, to, to provide um, good inputs to the government that this is the way to go, this is perhaps not the way to go um, and, and the government listened. So it was it was really good to to speak the language of chocolates and um, make the policies and regulations a bit more flexible because of that. Uh, yeah, that makes me think. Like you say, it makes it easier for people if everyone has this common language, the language mm -hmm. of chocolate. And what I understand, we have like the government at the table. Um, we have the cooperative. We have Pipilton, who is like a company. And IDH is there. Like. What is the strength of having all these different stakeholders come together and what does that contribute that otherwise couldn't have happened? Um, now I think we need more than ever is collaboration, right? When we talk about Ransiki, the grand launching of, uh, of Ransiki, we, we talk about how we can uh, do it properly. And it's easier if it's like a collaboration between this company, like Pipilton, with IDH, with the 
with the government and there's so many party involved so people see it as like oh wow they really want to make it work to like promote this kind of region not only uh, for selling the chocolate but there's more to it this beyond this beyond than just a product so now for Ransiki, Ransiki inspired us to have this new tagline in Pipilton. It's beyond good. Nice. It's because it's beyond yeah. than good chocolate. It's more than that. It's like supporting community, conservation, and like there's so many things that we can do directly and indirectly. So it's really, uh, it's really inspired us to, to, to like do more and what can we do to like really helping this region to, to develop. There. Yeah. So this production model follows the PPI approach uh, developed by IDH. Can you explain a little bit about how that model works and what the role of IDH normally is? Okay. So with the PPI approach, uh, PPI stands for Production, Protection and Inclusion, um, linked to the programs that we have been doing in Papua and West Papua. Basically, all the approaches that we try to work together and develop in the provinces are firstly to improve the productivity. That's the first P, productivity of the farms. Um, as you know, um, productivity is declining. We try to improve the good agriculture practices so that productivity is um, Insured, and then there's a protection part. This links to uh, the conservation of the uh, habitats um, that depend uh, on the location surrounding the plantations that we we have a program. And then inclusion, uh, we try to involve all stakeholders, uh, particularly smallholders. And in this sense, um, with the Ransiki chocolates, it's the Ransiki cocoa farmers how they are involved from the beginning on how to produce their cocoa in a sustainable way and they see how their chocolate is being produced until the end consumers. So the government has declared itself as conservation province. How is IDH helping the government with reaching this? So, uh, of course, we applaud the ambitious targets of the provincial government of West Papua uh, declaring themselves as a conservation province. Um, they have been opening up themselves to receive uh, inputs from partners um, on how to achieve these targets. And IDH is helping, um, working together with the provincial government and other uh, development partners in firstly developing a green growth plan um, for the uh, province as well as a green investment blueprint. Um, and these two documents are helping to identify the particular locations that are suitable for cultivating certain crops and also what crops are already there uh, growing and thriving in Papua and West Papua that could be further developed and invested by uh, other uh, companies that are willing to go into Papua and West Papua without, of course, uh, opening new forest land, extracting um, the natural resources of Papua and West Papua. So this is how we are trying to work together with the uh, provincial government as well as the district governments and uh, companies in doing so. What do you think still has to change to make sustainable production uh, more widely applied, uh, looking at where we are now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we need to build awareness to the market that it's 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 not an issue of like in 20 years. It's we have to face it now because again we need to make this sustainable. We just we don't want to make it just for a year or two. We really want to make it like for a long time. And even now we have uh, troubles in. Uh, 
in Ranski because the the demand is it's 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 very good. It's very good so, because we just launched it maybe yeah, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Wow. and the demand is it's very it's very good. So people, it's, yeah, there's a lot of demand and production. Yes, has yes, to yes. We, we need to we need to like fold it a trip triple fold the the demand. So it's it's very good. We're very happy with that. So, but but again, we need to make sure. Uh, uh, we uh, it's, we need to make certain certain effort to make it more sustainable. And how how do we sell it? So we we have like corporate sales. We approach corporates. Also about scaling and scaling getting it more, and getting more to wider aware, audience, yes. more more mainstream. Right. Yes. Yeah. True. True. I think apart from the consumer awareness, I think also awareness from the government counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we learned from Ransiki uh, chocolate is that governments are more willing to learn and listen if they see uh, how is sustainability actually uh, demanded by the market. Um, they are more open to listen to what companies are needing from governments and from the farmers. And if this didn't happen i think they they wouldn't really understand what is happening out there um, and they need to update themselves on the current trends of sustainability issues and so on um, and then what's coming up next for people saying what are the next steps you are uh, looking forward to the next steps would be uh, to do more innovation to the products because we need to see not we need to sell this chocolate from Siki to the market. Whatever happens, we need to sell it. We don't see it that way. We see like what the market needs. For example, in, uh, in Indonesia, there's a high consumption of cocoa drink. So we now also producing a cocoa drink, Ransiki cocoa drink. It's quite a, it's, again, since the taste is very subtle, Ransiki taste is, flavor notes is very, uh, it's beautiful. Like it's very easy to eat and it's not too intense. So, uh, for example, kids can also uh, eat Transiki chocolate and really enjoy it because it's not that bitter. So we need to improve, like more, do more innovation. What the market needs, and not all, not only targeting the the right market, but but also do a lot of innovation to the to the product because we had we can make like hundreds and hundreds of variation of uh, chocolate products, right? So it's uh, it's the way. Uh, for us to see what what the market needs and how we prof- can provide that from what we have, looking at the market end, yes, and take it from there. Like. And for IDH, what is the the next steps? The next steps. Well, uh, of course, uh, our collaboration with Pipiltin Coco uh, for the Ransiki chocolate is uh, hopefully just the beginning. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think we've had a very good uh, grand yeah. launching, and it's really yeah. good to hear yeah. that the demand is uh, yes. increasing for mm-hmm. the chocolates itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're also exploring. Uh, potentially other origins where IDH is working in their landscapes in the seven other provinces that we're working in where they also produce cocoa that could perhaps also have a conservation story that we can help develop together and work with the farmers to develop a new single origin chocolate bar. Um, Outside of the discussion with the built-in cocoa, uh, IDH is also looking uh, towards um, potential other companies uh, that are willing to source cocoa uh, at 
at larger volumes, maybe from Ransiki that we can support, um, and not just cocoa, but as as I was saying before about the green investment blueprint um, and the other commodities that are also potentially developed uh, from Papua and West Papua, which includes coffee, seaweed, nutmeg, and, and the others. We're also opening up opportunities um, and opening up, opening up dialogue between potential companies and the local governments on how to be able to um, improve the sourcing models of these commodities and upscale it. Sounds good. Um, so basically this is just the start of the collaboration yes. so far. Yes, this is just the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. It sounds like it will move in uh, really magical places. Yes, it's very exciting yeah. Yeah. and empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to tasting some of the delicious chocolates. <laughs> it will be very soon. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you. To listen to our other podcasts, follow our channel IDH Podcast via iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Or you can sign up to our IDH newsletter via www.idhtrade.org to always receive the latest news and podcasts in your inbox. You'll hear back from us next month.